You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. This episode is presented by the Choctaw Nation. The Choctaw people have a rich history and a bright future. At the Choctaw Cultural Center, you can take part in a story 14,000 years in the making. Stroll through our immersive exhibits portraying Choctaw life from the moment our ancestors emerged from the Nani Wayhai in Mississippian homelands to the Trail of Tears, where we lost so many loved ones, and finally to the modern-day tribe making a positive impact on local communities throughout southeastern Oklahoma. Try your hand at our social dancing and stickball and learn more about our vibrant culture through demonstrations, workshops, and classes. The kids will have a blast in our Luxie Activity Center. The Choctaw Cultural Center is more than a museum. It's a living, breathing experience. Visit ChoctawCulturalCenter.com to plan your visit. This episode is brought to you by Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive exists to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. Join us on August 11th at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum for a celebration of hope featuring guest speaker Tim Tebow and musical artist Ben Fuller. Find out more and get your tickets at HIA10.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hoon here, host, back with another episode, bringing you an epic story today. Uh, one of resilience, one of encouragement, one of, um, you know, sadness and, uh, and success and all of the things. Uh, mutual friend uh, of us connected. Oh, and actually, no, we connected because of the leadership of Oklahoma City. Um, but my guest today is Mr. Steven Stefanik. Uh, and we had a blast at Leadership Oklahoma City, right? That's we right. Had, we had two years of it. That's right. We had the longest class ever. Longest class ever uh, because of COVID. So we got two years of it. Um, I won't say what our unofficial tagline was because it's not appropriate for the podcast. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of where we first met. I kind of first learned a little bit about your story. And, and people who don't know Leadership Oklahoma City, you know, every class you kind of get an opportunity to speak, right? Every, there's three or four people each class. So each time we get together, they get up and tell their story. And I just remember listening to yours and thinking, you know, I know we have five minutes, but like this deserves a lot more than five minutes because there's a lot more to unpack. Um, 
and also, you know, getting into education and running schools. And then, you know, you're about to start your own, right? You are starting your own. That's right. So excited to dive into all that. I know you're a huge OU fan. So I want to talk some OU football with you. How excited you are for the SEC uh, and getting off the back of a horrendous season. I will say that because it was not good. Uh, but yeah, a lot of cool things to talk about today. Uh, so I think we generally started out at just, I mean, let's start with who you are, what you do. Yeah, so been in Oklahoma a long time since since middle school and uh, been in education now for 12 years. And I, as you said, um, I see myself as an Oklahoman, went to OU and love everything about it, uh, but also love the work that our city in particular is moving towards in state and education. I think there's no question on uh, we need a revamp in education in Oklahoma and we need pioneers to do that in the state of Oklahoma. Um, but a little bit about me and background wise, you know, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania um, in my childhood. And uh, like you mentioned, not really the most positive childhood that most people would go through. Um, a lot of situations with homelessness and drugs and abuse and uh, gang related activities and uh, eventually had a uh, I wouldn't say opportunity, but um, father took stepfather took the opportunity to bring me to Oklahoma, uh, which has been kind of the saving grace for me. Um, I am a prodigy of Mustang Public Schools. I know we talked about recently where kind of close by where we live. Um, that inspired me to stay in state at OU at the time. Uh, so that's a little bit about me, where I'm at. Currently, I'm the superintendent of a charter district in Oklahoma City, which is Harding Independence Charter District. Uh, currently, it's a fifth through twelfth grade model, and the idea is that our our belief and mission is that every student, regardless of where they come from, background, um, they have the ability to be successful in any post secondary educational institution. Um, and so that can be a challenge, as you can imagine, because all kids need different um, different desires in a classroom, but. Uh, we accomplished that and we have we have success doing that mm -hmm. yeah um people listening be like oh that's great cool uh, that's the podcast over but there's so much more to unpack uh and and you're a great storyteller and, and there's a lot of lessons in it so tell me a little bit about like the, the childhood as much as you want to sh share about it and just like the, the how you can use that now to talk to the kids and impact the kids and teach them the lessons that you learned and the things that you've been through because you know, through hard times, we, we build character resilience and, and, and life lessons there. But at the same time, like it is not fun at all, yeah. you know? Yeah, I'll be glad to. So I particularly, I grew up in a town called Lawrenceville, um, which is just a urban kind of city. Imagine it to be like, I wouldn't say Edmond, but like midtown of Oklahoma City. Um very low socioeconomic um, environment. School system was extremely poor. I believe today it's still poor. Um, and at one time, um, it was particularly in my early middle school years and even elementary school. So imagine just an elementary student, eight, nine years old, going through this situation, which we have thousands of kids going through in Oklahoma. So perspective there is a time where it wasn't a safe environment to go home, right, um, in terms of drug and abuse. And um, kids naturally uh, will either, uh, it's, it's fight or flight, right? And I took the flight approach. Uh, if anyone knows me, I'm not the kind of fighter. I am the fighter in words, not the fighter physically. And I, I, I flew, and I flew away into, um, slept many nights in a park called Arsenal Park. 
Um, it's actually a historical park. It's a World War II site. Um, and they just had a playground with one of those tubes that you usually crawl through and um, and, and the tube that I slept in for many months uh, because they gave free food in the evening in that same park, right? Um, you would think that an eight-year-old, nine-year-old that was getting free food in the park that there'd be red flags, but it was kind of the norm in that city, right? So, um, and in particular, I can uh, to go a little further, kind of survival to fittest. Um, those young adolescents or children, you know, would sort of pick kind of their own dumpster, right? And, and um, I think we get frustrated when we go to the stores and they're throwing away quality food because the expiration date just went out, right? Except for milk. Stay away from the milk, right? <laughs> but other foods usually generally okay. Um, and I picked one in particular right behind Subway. Uh, and Subway, as you can imagine, throws a lot of good quality bread that may be stale a little bit and uh, meats and kind of vegetables. You can pull away the cheese from the mold. Um, and it was kind of my saving grace for a short time. Um, but I was at the same time, you know, I was delivering, uh, I believe it was drugs. Obviously, I was eight years old. I don't really remember what it was, but it was some kind of white powder um, to be able to get even more food at a Tony's Pizzeria. Um, so I was doing some work for, I guess, the, the gangs in that area. <clears throat> but further on with that subway, um, you see why I went in education is because there's always someone in your life that kind of flips the script on where you're going to be in your, in your lifetime. And um, I can remember there was a manager at that subway that uh, really took the reins in my life and, and figured out who I was and what I was doing. And uh, he had one mission. He said, uh, do your best, forget the rest, and never give up. And from that day forward, while I was having those hard times, he fed me a meatball sandwich, a bag of Cheetos, and a Coke every single evening. But on one condition, I was not allowed to skip school, right? Because he kind of knew the pathway. Um, if I was successful in school, I'd be out of that kind of lifestyle. And so that's kind of my backstory um, about Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and why that translates to today. today talking to students is you know every student has a story every person has a story and the ones that have a glass ceiling are the ones that need help the most so let's talk about what a glass ceiling kind of means they can see where they want to go they can see the future um, but there's just a barrier that they can't get past due to you know socioeconomic status due to home life what that is and if I'm able to change one kid's life, hopefully I can change thousands, that's the goal, but if I can change one uh, each year, right, and let them break through that glass ceiling and they become the next, you know, Mike doing their own podcast, et cetera, um, I find success in that, and that's one, one less poverty um, kind of child that we have to worry about in Oklahoma. Yeah, shout out to the the guy at Subway, right? And yeah. you connected with him after, right? Is that That's right? right. We're still yeah. friends today. Yeah, That's he's amazing. he's eighty three years old today. Is he still in Subway? So, he's still alive. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Uh, so at that point then when you know kind of he's telling you about education and, and go to school and that's kind of you know if I go to school I'm going to get food at the end of the day. Is that the earliest time that you see education as a way out? That's right. So <clears throat> education, you know, I think sometimes we only pinpoint kind of the high school middle school ages because they're more 
they're an adolescent, they can speak more of their mind. Uh, we tend to forget the young ones who can't speak their mind and don't have the language to do that. And, and you know, in the state of Oklahoma, I, I believe the statistics may be different now, you know, but one in five kids are, you know, going home hungry every day. Um, and, you know, what's that measure? I'm not sure. You know, you could ask the Oklahoma Food Food Bank and such of those statistics, but that's powerful because they're not just even talking about the age level of those kids. So um, I can't imagine if there's a six-year-old that's a, you know, kindergartner that's not going home being fed, which is the power of why schools, you know, I thought while COVID had some challenges um, for schools, the one thing that schools did really well, it was free food, right? I'm a big believer that how can we find a way to give kids kind of free food? Because let's be real, I get hangry when I'm hungry. A lot of people do. If we're hungry, we're not going to learn. We're definitely not going to be able to communicate with others, right? We're focused on one thing, and that's your basic, what you may have heard of as Maslow's hierarchy of needs. you got to get those basic needs before we can even start the education process. Yeah. So so you're in Pittsburgh, you're going to school. Um, is there a time, like, uh, how long do you, you know, you mentioned kind of being homeless for a few months. Like, what happens after that? Like, you're going to school, like, where do we go after that? Yeah, so after a few more months, um, at some point, my stepfather, who I always believe is my real father, um, found out the situation. He lived in Oklahoma at the time. I moved from Pittsburgh to here when I was a child. And he stepped in and brought myself and my mother uh, to Oklahoma, where I started kind of a life here. Uh, And it was a different kind of life. You know, I went from a life where um, I could go anywhere I wanted, any time of the day, do whatever I wanted, right? Um, To I couldn't even go a block down the road to 7-Eleven and get an icy. Uh, You know, I had rules where the lights, when the street lights came on, I better been home. Um, And it was kind of a different culture shock. But one thing I do remember is my stepfather, including some of my family, members that were teachers in Mustang, uh, you know, if the expectation was X, they made sure the school gave me X and Y to do. You know, they said, look, he may be five reading levels below due to his past experiences, but he has the same capabilities of all of others. It's just going to take more time. Um, did I appreciate it at the time? Absolutely not, right? Uh, be given two books instead of one to read, uh, being challenged um, in that way. But when I got eventually a full ride to the University of Oklahoma, it kind of full circled on that wouldn't have happened if, number one, the subway manager didn't start the process, but then kind of my stepfather and that family there pushed me through the way um, in Oklahoma. Yeah, that's um, that's a huge blessing, right? Like, because you could have come down here and, and, you know, and just been, hey, you're in school, the school will take care of you, they'll get you up to speed, you know, which we know the Oklahoma school system, right? It's, you know, a, if you have a kid who's coming in that isn't a problem, but might take extra work, sadly, you know, it's down to the teacher and sometimes the teachers don't get paid to do that. That's right. Like, sadly, they don't get paid much at all. That's right. Um, you know, so, but, but for, to have that kind of, you know, have a parents and then have that figures that just say, no, like you can, you can double up, you can get him up to where he's at and, uh, you know, and, and kind of build that just, you know, learning skills around you. And then, you know, you get that's that they're reinforcing your learning, right? They're reinforcing your success in learning. And then you, you kind of probably slowly fall in love with it. And like I said, it comes full circle and you get a full ride to OU. That's right. What was your full ride for? Uh, 
for I was for academics and you know Oklahoma has a fantastic program at the time it was called OAP don't ask me what that acronym means but that's what it was back then now it's called Oklahoma's Promise and um, so actually any student that receives basic requirements like maybe a 3.0 GPA uh, meets the state requirements on credits and they have a certain poverty level so I think today it's $50,000 for household income they get free tuition at any public institution in the state of Oklahoma and they get a discount rated at private schools Um, and the goal of that program is really to keep our best and brightest in Oklahoma Uh, and in in 2007 when I graduated it was the first cohort for that so um, OU gave me free tuition free books uh, and then the academics I had at Mustang Public Schools um, got me several grants to just get room and board for free which ended up being a full full ride package Um, so that that scholarship still available and the state funds it i mean it's a multi-million dollar scholarship um that i'd encourage any student yeah. that can apply for that to get it that's amazing yeah it's awesome and and it's probably um hopefully everyone knows about it right like i don't want you know this podcast is a small blip in the world but like if somebody doesn't know about it and now they find out they should get involved and, and figure that out because you know in school and, and it's school's not cheap right and and just to be around those people and, and be on a level playing field at university and not having to worry about how i'm going to pay for my books or my room or go for food i mean it's not cheap yeah you know to do that and and then you know you get there and you're like right you know, that's like the first day of the rest of my life kind of situation that's right and it's such an easy process you just have to do it before your junior year yeah. so eighth grade through junior year you just prove to the state that you make below a certain amount of income and boom as long as you don't get in trouble you make those grades yeah uh, and let's be real a 3.0 is not not hard to do right uh, unless you're at a kind of competitive school in Oklahoma that's pretty easy to do um, and yeah you get to go to OU, LSU any of those colleges of your choice yeah that's amazing I love that uh, so what is kind of like the dream when you're in high school and you think you know I'm, I'm, and you find out I'm going to OU like what do you want to do what's like the you know I want to be this when I grow up did you have an idea I mean I know you just said your family members are teachers did you know straight yeah. away that was the plan you know I didn't I have an uncle that uh, is really high in the kind of engineering world uh, particularly in Oklahoma City with OG&E and I was always gifted in mathematics, so I thought I would just follow his path. Um, and I originally went to college, though, and majored in math education. I knew I liked math. I loved school and kids. Um, but as you just pointed out a little bit ago, the fear of income is what kind of drove me away from education for a short time. So I actually changed my majors about seven times in college. Uh, it was a joke at um, kind of a Christmas. They'd have a wheel and say, what is what is Stefanik going to be today? Um, and so I started math education, went to pharmacy, went to a bunch of engineering's. Uh, realized that while I was gifted at the math, I couldn't stand being in solidarity. Uh, definitely was not interested at the time going back to school for more pharmacy kind of school. Um, and my uncle sat down with me, and um, I respect him quite a bit. And and he just said one line, and it kind of clicked for me. But he said, you know, he's a multimillionaire. He's doing great for himself. And he said, you know, I just retired, and I'm finally happy. And it kind of clicked for me uh, real quickly. That's all he had to say. And what it's, what spoke to me is don't do something that you're not going to be able to wake, wake up to an alarm every day and go do. Um, and so I kind of thought back about it on if he's unhappy doing his job, um, 
how much do we, how much do I want to do that job and what career path is it going to be? And then eventually I just told my family, you know, income or not, um, I know I'll be successful being a teacher and being a math teacher in particular. I went that route. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and a lot of people wouldn't have like, you know, they wouldn't have, um, felt bad or doubted you or whatever it is if you'd have just said, I don't know if that's the right word, but I can't think of anything right now, but like they wouldn't have, have been, you know, by you saying, hey, I want to be a doctor, I want to be an engineer, I want to be a pharmacist, or because of the way that you were raised and the way that, you know, your experiences you had growing up, it would have been fine if you just said, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to make as much money as possible. That's right. Because of the things that I didn't have growing up and then with a giant chip on your shoulder with a big middle finger to the world and say, I'm going to show this world what I can do. Right? That's right. Absolutely. And if it didn't have that conversation with your uncle, maybe you would have been that. But like you said, you might not have been happy. Right. Which is the key to everything. Well, yeah, if you think about it, I tell students this all the time. Yeah, they're in they're in education from, what, 5 years old to 18 years old, 13 years of their life. They think it's forever, which we we, we wish we could go back to those easy yes. years, right? Yeah. Um, and the conversation I always have to them is, look, you got 13 years of K through 12. You got maybe four years of college. You may do more, but let's just assume the kind of bachelor degree. So you got 17 total years. And you're going to be doing whatever you decide to do for the next 40 years of your life. Um, now, you may change a few times in that, that lifespan, but in general, you need to pick something that you're okay with doing for 40 years, right? This is nothing compared to what you're doing the rest of your life. Uh, and, it's, you know, that conversation's kind of changed some, some kids. You know, every, every student at our school wants to be a doctor. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a doctor. Um, and it's funny when they become a senior how much they've changed said, you know what? I do want to be a teacher. Like I'm not, I'm, I don't care about the income or I do want to be a air traffic controller and um, just having those kind of real conversations with kids. We need them as adults. Kids need them just as much. No, you're right. It's, uh, and I've had some experiences like that as well, right? You just have that one conversation and you know, like when you're 18 to 22, 23 years old, right? You're just like, you know, you, you're so green still, you know, and you, like I said, you meet an uncle or you're a grandparent and you're like, I mean, you've been a job for 35 years. Like, tell me about it. That's right. You know, and, and I wish we could encourage kids more and I wish kids did, not, but did that more, right? Family occasions, you know, and dinners and Thanksgivings or whatever it is, just go and ask your grandparents. Like, what do you wish you had done? You know, do you have any regrets? Right. Because eventually, I mean, they will. Everybody has a regret at some point. You know, That's right. Not trying something, wishing they'd done something sooner. Um, and then that saves you, saves us so much time, right? Now, how much time did that conversation with your uncle actually save you? Right? That's right. Saves you probably to change your major a couple more that's times. Right, that's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you go into math education and, mm -hmm. and become a math teacher. Yeah. How? Uh, what, what's the process from there? Where do you go to school? Like, where do you do you go back to Mustang to teach? Like, how, is it really full circle to go back there? Or I mean, what what's the next in the process? Not quite. I stayed in Norman. Okay. I went to Norman Public Schools for half a year. I got hired mid year because I finished kind of mid year through college. Mm -hmm. um, had a wonderful mentor i'll give her a shout out and if she ever hears this ashley thompson she's not a teacher anymore unfortunately she's a professor now um which i, I respect professors as much but i think the kids i need it just as much as the adults and um but she kind of guided me and just left an open playing field you know really did not tell me what to do kind of inspired me to think differently mm -hmm. um i think you know in terms of math education we can all remember that math teacher that went up to the board, back turned towards you, just wrote on that board all day long, and you yeah. took notes and grinded it out, right? Yeah. 
which has caused a lot of people, including myself at the time when I was younger, to hate math, Mm -hmm. right? I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, And so I took a different approach. Um, The first day of class, I just told the kids, look, my goal is not for you to be mathematicians. My goal is for you to walk out of this room in six months and say, I like math. That's all I want you to do. I want you to appreciate and like it. You may not be good at it, but you understand it. You're confident. Um, And so, you know, I don't learn this way. Kids don't learn this way. It's kind of lecture-based. I kind of did kind of activity-based, real-life experiences, bringing in kind of conversations about the walking dead and using that at the time when that was very popular with kids um, to teach them exponential growth and decay of a zombie apocalypse. And those kind of conversations, you know, I can remember... A student, um, her name was Taylor. I won't say the last name for, you know, respect. Um, at the end of the year, you know, I had them evaluate me in person. And that's hard. Yeah. You know, you have 20 high school kids telling you what you're poor at, what you're good at. And I just said, just give it to me. And, um, and I even said, whatever you say, unless it's an inappropriate word, <laughs> you can say it here, right? And Taylor, I expected, you know, she was really negative throughout the year. And first day of school, she said, you'll never make me like math. I can't stand it. And at the end of the year, she said, you know, I don't have anything bad to say. All I say is I'm excited for math next year. And like for me, that was that was a golden ticket right there. Um, Yeah, today I have some negative things and I changed. But the things they said were so minor um, and they were kind of inspired. And if you kind of read, I always do this every year. I love doing it. But on, on my Facebook and social media, I'll shout out at the end of the year and say, you know, previous students or teachers, something you remember me, I'd love to hear from you. And it's never about a particular kind of lesson. You know, I lecture today. It's always about that that crazy lesson I did or not even a lesson. It's more about, I remember when I couldn't come to school and you drove to my house and picked me up, right? It's those stories that captivate and keep us keep a student along just like you know the subway manager that kept me along and so you know i did it today just before i joined you uh, mike uh, we had a we already graduated our seniors but one of them did not finish all their credits july 1st is the deadline i guess when a new school year kind of starts and it's june 30th and um, <clears throat> we're supposed to be off today it's friday and we give our principals and leadership off on fridays I wanted to work for three hours because if he didn't get it done today, he wasn't. He was going to be a dropout. Uh, he did finish at twelve thirty-seven, um, you know. But those extra things is what's going to project them to be able to help someone else later, which is just going to be you know a branching effect for the community. Yeah, and and it, you know with with everything that you do and and that you've experienced and been through, like this is the way that you're giving back, right? This is the way that you you use what you love, you use what you're good at to teach these kids like you know life lessons through math right, right? like it's not about math at all right, right? that's right. just a vehicle through building relationships and all right. the rest of it and like I said if you use Walking Dead use OU Football whatever it is that you can to relate to them to make them comfortable and make them you know not hate the subject because I, I had a math teacher too like and he was great and he's a golfer so we connected straight away right. uh one of the best classes I, I'm, I'm not bad at math but it's definitely not something i love doing but at the same time i had an accounting teacher in university and all he did was back to us right on the board and he just kind of copied notes and we're like i've learned nothing in an hour my right. hand is sore and i have a page full of notes i know nothing about it could be that's right french you know right. <laughs> just like that's right what am i doing here uh so, so 
it was high school like you wanted to teach high school kids kids going into it you didn't want to go younger high school is kind of where you felt like you had more of an impact you know high school or middle school was kind of where i thought my biggest impact would be um through, you know through college had a lot of experience through student teaching and um, you have to do a lot of hours in schools when you want to be a teacher and a lot of that was in a middle school setting um, I just had a very big passion on getting to the higher level because, yes, you can start them young. Um, you know, traditionally, I'm not a good elementary kind of teacher. Um, I love the kids, but day to day, that's kind of not my strength. Uh, middle school and high school definitely was. But high school, you could almost have those real conversations. In middle school, you can start to do it, but you have to be very careful about their social emotional being. And you do it high school level too, but they're, they're young adults at that point, right? I mean, they're driving, um, you know, they're doing things you, they shouldn't be doing and you, hopefully you don't know about it. They're thinking about next steps. Sometimes they're in relationships that are not, you know, they're sour and they need kind of guidance for that. And I kind of thought I could make a bigger input there, but I kind of got lucky at the same time. So I was at Norman for a semester. Um, I left Norman Public Schools, not anything to do with the school itself, but there was an event that really uh, took me off guard. <clears throat> so Norman's you know, a pretty affluent town. Yes, they do have low SES kind of students, but overall they're pretty affluent. And, and math, the, our, our favorite holiday is Pi Day. Right, 3.14. And uh, in Norman Public Schools, or Norman High at the time, that's where I was, they celebrated that day based on, you know, buying pies and letting kids buy slices of pie. Uh, and what I noticed during that day is the affluent kids bottled a pie, right? The low SES students stayed in the corner and they didn't enjoy any pieces of pie. And that really turned me off. And I went to challenge the math department on how do we serve all kids. Now it's 2,000 kids. Like, I get it's a hard task, but nothing is unreachable. It's only unreachable if you don't even try. And so I wanted to do something different, but they weren't amenable to it. They, they liked what they've been doing for a long time. So I realized that wasn't the place for me, uh, and I wanted to serve kind of more low students anyway. And so math teachers are rare rare breed. Um, so I had probably 20, 30 job offers, one in Hawaii, <laughs> which, which my dad is really mad I didn't take that job at the time. Yeah, um, it would be too. <laughs> yeah, University of Hawaii, but you know I, that would have been exciting. But I ended up applying for Harding. Mm-hmm. Uh, had no idea what Harding was. Charter schools were kind of new. Um, you know, I'd been in Oklahoma for 10 years, but no one really knew what they were. And I did it as kind of an interview to just practice my skills, interview skills, and walked in. And my my first principal, uh, Justin, he was at my wedding, so I can say his name is fine, Justin Hunt. Um, he was a former math teacher and had a kind of same mentality I did where the traditional rote memory learning is not going to work. And we just kind of clicked real quick. And I took a chance on a school at the time that I didn't have a whiteboard in my room. I didn't have pencils. I think I had five broken desks that, you know, I had to tape up myself with duct tape. There was nothing in Harding. It was a very poor, poor school. But the mission was any student that came there regardless of where they come from, and a lot of students are low there, are going to go to college. Like, it was very sound. And But I took the job for one reason. I told them about the Pi Day story, and I said, my goal is if I do Pi Day here, because they didn't do it at the time, every student, all 500, is going to get a slice of pie. 
I didn't say a whole pie. I said one slice. Okay. And he said, look, I don't care what you do. I'll support you. That's, that's your job. And, you know, I stayed there even longer because six months later, pie day happened, right? Or eight months later, whatever it was. And I convinced the parents of that school to donate probably 300 pies. I mean, it was amazing. There's pictures of it everywhere. And uh, for one whole day, the kids got, you know, free pie. I mean, I was giving pie away, full pies to teachers away. I had too much. Um, you know, kids were hitting me in the face with whipped cream pies. It was just awesome. Um, and that kind of, no student could say, yeah. I had a barrier and I wasn't able to, you know, participate. They all got to participate. Now, did they all get to hit me in the face with pie? No. Uh, those, are, those are particular students, you know, that uh, did a kind of a project ahead of time or something. Uh, so that's where I ended up being at Harding, and I've been there ever since now for 12 years now. Yeah. And, and everyone goes to college? Everyone goes to college, 100%. Yeah. What's the difference with Harding compared to Nolan and other than the money? And the money, like the availability and the funds. Yeah, so talk about charter schools in general, and then we'll talk more about Harding. So charter schools um, started in Oklahoma in 1998. Uh, the first one's actually the middle school we, we merged with just a few years ago, Independence Charter Middle School. And the idea was the families in Oklahoma at the time were not happy with the public options they had for education. And they believed at the time, if we could create our own school, show the giant system a different model, maybe the giant system would adopt it and all schools would be better. That was kind of the theory. 20 years later, what kind of happened is the traditional public schools didn't adopt what was working, right? And charters kept multiplying because they're not adopting. Instead, now the charters said, if you're not going to take away, then we'll just keep adding. And so at the time for Harding, there was in Oklahoma City public schools, there was one really great school, and people all know about it, class in school, SAS, uh, SAS right? Um, but they're a magnet school, and magnet means that you have to test to get into that school, right? So it's not for all kids. And so Harding Charter Prep was created because it was a kind of a college prep school, just like Classen, but there was no testing requirements. Every student could come in there. It's kind of competition with Classen, right? Uh, and then there was another school created called Harding Fine Arts, not affiliated together at all. They just shared a name, but it was the other piece of Classen, the fine art piece of it, um, that you know not everyone can get in class in fine arts sure. area. So let's do Harding Fine Arts Academy. Uh, and kind of the mission for Harding is, you know, when I went to high school, probably for anyone, you know, mainly that went to high school my age in Oklahoma, there's kind of three track of kids. Like, you know, there's your general education classrooms. You know, there's the like smart kid classroom, right? It's an AP level and you can only get into it if you test it well, et cetera. And then you even knew about the special ed classrooms, right? And um, if you weren't in them, you didn't see them much, but you knew that they existed, right? And so they, schools traditionally track students. <clears throat> and if you're on a track, you're stuck at that track. So if you, are, if you are labeled as a general education student, good luck trying to get up to the advanced classes. You know, unless you really go above and beyond, but let's, let's be real, they're kids. They, they sometimes don't know how to do that. And so Harding's design was, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, what track you're on, you're all on the same track for us. The difference is we have to be equitable, meaning that each kid may need different resources. You know, so Mike, you may need two boxes to look over a fence at a baseball game. Well, I'm shorter than you. I need four, right? And that's okay, but 
our level of expectations not changing, right? And that's kind of the model for Harding. Uh, and so all kids are expected to take college courses. Uh, they take a minimum of five before they graduate. Some kids take 13, 14, which is awesome. Um, you know, and some kids only take the five and that's okay, right? But at the end of the day, you know, just some statistics for this year, our graduating class, 113 kids. So not very, oh, sorry. There it is. Now you, now you know who I'm biased to. Um, our 113 kids, 100% got into college. Whether they go or not, we hope they go. We got them in. That's our goal. They raised $7 million in scholarships. That's just 113 kids. And yes, some are, Some kids took bulk of that money, right? And some kids got you know, very little of it. But if you do the math, you know, on average, that's just incredible. You're talking average seventy, you know, seventy thousand dollars a kid, uh, which would pay for OU almost, right? Um, so the work we're doing, we're pretty proud of. Yeah, yeah. The stats are, you know, the stats just speak for themselves, right? When you when you name those names and you talk about the the numbers, just like, you know, it reinforces getting out of bed every day. You know, like, yeah, I'm doing something great, making yeah. a difference. And then, you know, when you hear about the kids graduating and, and going on to careers, and like I said, you hear those stories coming back through your social media channels, it's, it's, uh, it makes you feel good, yeah. right? Like, you know, it, you know, it's always nice to be uh, respected and always nice to be kind of remembered as someone who kind of changed, you know, the course of someone's life, right? And, That's right. You know, just even the catalyst to that, like it makes a huge difference. So tell me about what's new then, because we're launching a new school, right? Is that what's happening? That's right. That's right. So two years, you know, I, I was with the high school and only the high school for many years and um, took over leadership there in 2018. Uh, while I was in leadership in different ways, was the head headmaster, principal, superintendent. In 2021, uh, with a partnership with Oklahoma City Public Schools, they did that pathway to greatness, um, which was really kind of consolidating a lot of their schools and make the funding more practical, right? Um, with that effort, they also changed grade bands. So they went middle school went from sixth to eighth grade to fifth through eighth. And Independence Charter Middle School in particular was kind of a sister school for Harding, but wasn't put on paper that it was. And so part of working with Oklahoma City Public Schools, we agreed to merge them into one entity, which is where Harding Independence comes from now. Um, in addition, we added fifth grade to our middle school. So it's fifth through eighth grade now to kind of match and help families. If if they're in an Oklahoma City Public School fourth grade, they don't have to, you know, they, they know other options day one. But what we kind of discovered now is, you know, everyone thinks college prep is only for high school kids. We kind of realized, you know, middle school is doing just as well um, and need that kind of exposure at the earlier age, which challenged us to go even further on, well, why not have a kindergartner go to OU? Like, you don't have to say you're going here, but why can't they go on campus and see what college is about? Um, you know, they'll have a different attitude about it, but can you imagine if some a group of college kids came and talked to a kindergarten class, they would eat it up, right? I would have. They would be like, wow, look at these adults, and they, you know, they're so cool. Um, and so the kind of vision for us was we looked at the model of Oklahoma City. We found that only 20% of all elementary schools, that's public and charter, um, were a C or below, or sorry, I said that backwards, were a C or above. Right, so the rest of them are D or F schools. Uh, so meaning that the quality of seats in Oklahoma City are very minimal in elementary, which is why the Harding was created anyway, the quality of seats, right? And so we kind of said, um, 
is there an opportunity for us to expand to an elementary school to serve those kids younger and expose them younger? Um, and the, the question mark was facilities, right? Um, I'm not a big believer in students who learn best from home. I think they learn certain skills from parents at best, but they need to be in a school and a social interaction. And so we had a fantastic opportunity um, there's a there's a school building just two blocks north of our current high school that came available um, due to a different school kind of closing down and uh, essentially we got the property for basically interest free um, to expand an elementary school so we plan to open this is our planning year and we want to make sure we're successful in one year and so we'll have a founding principal hired within the next few months hopefully and then year two we're going to be open up pre-k and k and build them up from there so we're really excited yeah, that's uh, that is exciting, right? Like you know, and and just timing and the building becoming available and it being so close, like everything's falling into place. And and you know, you get to be you know in a in a real leadership role during this whole time and you know see this from the ground up and from the development stages and excuse me, planning and getting kids in and everything. Like it's, I mean, that's exciting stuff. That's right. right. Yeah, but looking back when you were going to OU your first year, probably the last thing you thought you'd be doing was being, you know, the chief, the superintendent and principal of a prep school. You know, I always dreamed that I would be a principal one day because okay. um, that's, you know, the higher you go up, the more impact you can make. You just don't make personal impacts as much, right? Um, but I didn't think that I would get there when I was 27 years old. Yeah. You know, now I'm 34 and I went from a school of 400 kids to now we're going to be at 1,300 kids. Yeah. Um, you know, staff of 28 to staff of 80 in the next few years. I didn't think that would be possible or happen. Um, you know, but luckily I've had a community and even staff um, that worked their tail off. They believed the same thing I did on mm. it's going to take extra work from us to get kids over to hump. And, yeah. um, but you have to sell the story, right? So uh, it's real interesting. I'm working on professional development for our teachers uh, next month already to come back. Mm. And part of it is I've just asked alumni to send me stories. Send me, why did, how did we impact you? What's the impact of a teacher? Because that's what keeps teachers in the game, right? It's not the money. I think everyone knows that. Uh, and so you should see some of these videos of the stories they share. And I've asked them not to share names because I wanted to be for all teachers. But, of course, they want to share names, and they did, and that's okay. They give some shout-outs. And uh, I have an incredible staff that's been there, you know, 90% retention rate. You know, we don't lose teachers very often uh, because we, we treat them as professionals. You know, we want, you know, we have our kids at a bar this high. We have teachers at a bar this high, but they also know my bar is just as high. Uh, you know, no one gets out of that kind of expectation with us. Yeah. So, you know, looking down the road, you mentioned, you know, one of your mentors, you know, is a professor now. Is that something you want to get into? Is you want to start running universities? Is that like, you know, as your professional development, as your career, you know, grows, is that something that, you know, come the right time you would, you would consider? I wouldn't mind getting into maybe a small cohort of up and coming educational leaders and, um, growing and teaching them I think my passion though will never be at the full university level you know I, I have a big vision but um, hopefully I can get there is I want every single school in, in the state of Oklahoma to be a model school like I, when I read statistics you know our schools are ranked top 100 in the whole country but when you read Oklahoma overall we're 49th in the whole country um, and we got to do something different. What we're doing is not working. 
Um, so how can we get creative? How can we find the five schools that are doing really well in Oklahoma and replicate or model what they're doing for all kids? And it's possible that we just need all the educational leaders get on get on the same page um, to, and not have egos behind us, right? So if you have the results at the end of the day, and that's the same thing as a business model, right? I mean... We look at fast food chains all the time, right? Um, if Burger King's doing something real unique, guess, guess who's doing it next month? That's McDonald's, right? Um, why aren't we doing that in schools? Um, and there's there's kind of political answers with that, but I won't get into that too much. But at the end of the day, I want, I want families to quit running to suburbs and past suburbs in Oklahoma City, right? And that's the evolution of the Edmonds and Deer Creeks, and now it's going Piedmont and going further and further out. How can we bring families back to the city, I mean, Oklahoma City. I think Mayor Holt just said the other the other week that we're top twenty in size and growth, um, which is crazy. When I name cities, I don't think of Oklahoma Wild. City top twenty, yeah. um, but I definitely know we're not top twenty in schools. So how do we get them on the same page yeah. and have that kind of opportunity here? So that could be going into legislature and trying to figure it, fix it, and figure it out that way, right? That, that seems to be the way to go. Could be. Um, I think a. A model we can use, um, I'm really passionate about what happened in New Orleans after after that Katrina storm. And so obviously Katrina wiped out that city. All their schools yeah. wiped them out. So they had, they had a fresh start. Mm-hmm. And they were really strategic when they redeveloped that education system. They didn't redevelop the same way. Mm-hmm. They finally realized what we were doing wasn't working. We were, you know, bottom of the yeah. barrel. Let's do something different. And so they created kind of college prep schools, art schools, et cetera, and put them on the border of New Orleans. Because um, at the end of the day, schools, if they don't have money, they don't have resources, right? What it did, though, is they they created these own kind of cyclos, and they let that school run it, right? So there's no bureaucracy. They have their own board. Yeah. Teachers can make decisions real quickly. It drove the suburbs back, Right. So now you're funneling all the suburbs back to the city on the edges, which gave more financial sustainability for the city, which was able to give more to the schools in the middle that needed that extra support. Right. So the kind of the equitable approach, you know, those kids didn't need as much financial gain because they had families that were supportive. Right. And uh, families are willing to drive them to school, et cetera. But the kids downtown, they didn't have that support. Well, now we have three times more funding to give you those extra blocks to be successful. Um, and are they top in the country? No, but they definitely went from, you know, ha- or, you know, at least half of what they were, uh, which, you know, is that hard to do? Absolutely. Because you got to kind of build new schools and, and structure. But are we able to model that? Um, and look, I'm not... No disrespect to admins and such like that. Um, those communities are built for a reason. Um, what I don't want to see is Oklahoma City become a city that's uh, that's thriving, but without education right behind it. They have to go together. Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense, right? When you, like you said, you're the 20th largest city in, in, in the country and you're 49th in schools. Like, you know, there's an issue there. <laughs> like, and it's gone on for far too long. Yeah. And it seems like it's just kicked down the road every time someone else new comes in or someone tries to change it and no one likes change or, you know, whether there's, you know, too many um, superintendents or too many school districts or whatever it is. Like there's, a, you know, I'm speaking out of someone who just sees a news article every now and then and doesn't <laughs> know anything about it. Um, but yeah, you know, the stats, if, you know, the stats, you can't, they don't lie. 
right? Like something's being done and, you know, not everybody can afford to send their kid to private school, yeah. right? And, you know, it, that's it's not cheap at that's all. Right. Um, but at the same time, every parent wants the best for their kid. So that's right. Something has to happen. That's right. Uh, moving away from teaching and your love for OU, uh, how was OU when you were there as a student? What was the teams like? How was it as a, you know, like athletically and obviously your love from OU going there as well. It just makes it, you know, bigger and better. But tell me about that. Tell me about just your, you know, Stephen, the fan of OU. What's that, what's that been like? Oh man, I was in some glory years when I was a student. I mean, I had the Sam Bradford years, you know, I think 2008 national championship year. Uh, I had the opportunity to go to that game in Florida uh, went to an away game, Florida State, which that's a crazy place. You ever been to Florida State? That was a uh, that stadium was rocking. Yeah. Uh, um, we won that game. We didn't win the national championship. Obviously, Tim Tebow took that away from us. Uh, you know, but OU's just kind of a. I found my niche there. You know, it's a, it's a large place, and you're always going to find your niche. You're not going to be all over the place. And I had a great opportunity to meet several. Um, quality people that are still best friends of mine you know some are doctors accountants and we see each other once a month or every few months but one thing that we've kind of decided with the our love for OU is you know we're going to continue to be football fanatics and be season ticket holders and that's our opportunity to come back together um, so I've been a season ticket holder for oh gosh forever now um, much expensive now uh, more expensive now than when I was a student um, you know but Football has kind of always been exciting. It's kind of away from work, but now it's become almost work because obviously when I go to OU, I always see students now, yeah. right? And so, um, but that's exciting too. You know, I can see them in their in their glory, and, and sometimes they'll say, "Come sit in the student section." No, no, I'm not doing that. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, we're old, old for that now. But yeah. Um, but yeah, Sam Bradford, Demarco Murray, oh man, Jermaine Gresham. Mm. Uh, you know, you had so many. Gerald uh, McCoy, I had class with him in 2009, um, so that was exciting. He's an awesome dude that gives back all the time in Oklahoma City. Um, just love OU. And now I'm a football fan, but obviously you know, 2008 was the Blake Griffin year, right, in basketball, and uh, I don't think OU's been that far since, you know, ever since Blake Griffin. Uh, in fact, I played basketball against Blake Griffin. Did not do well. Uh, just so everyone knows, I'm like five foot four. Uh, but he people was just, listening that know you are laughing their heads off. Yeah, right uh, he was just at the gym. You know, it was called a huff at the time. I don't know yeah. what they call it now, but him and his brother Taylor were there, uh, just playing with randoms, and I don't know how I got involved. Uh, but I will tell you, I shot the most threes I ever did because I wasn't going down low. Uh, but that was exciting. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you know, if you get a point off against Blake Griffin. You're like, hey, it's never gonna happen again. But I got a point, you know. I, I managed to score. That's right. That is brilliant. Um, finishing up, obviously, SEC's coming. Uh, which game are you excited to go to? Which road game are you excited to go to? For just in general, or for the first year? First year. Which way? Which one could you pick for the first year? Oh man, away games. You know, I always hear horror stories about LSU, mm-hmm. but I'd really like to experience Death Valley myself. Um, that's kind of the big away game I'd love to go to. Um, in terms of home game, oh, you can't beat Alabama coming to OU. That's going to be a Crimson versus Crimson. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I kind of thought about should I sell my ticket, but there's no way I'm going to that game. Um, you know, hopefully both schools. I think Brent Venables is on the right track, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of success, especially defense. The recruits he's getting is, is insane, mm-hmm. um, you know, but – 
kind of we learned uh, you know for example Sam Bradford was a three stars it's not always the five stars that do it so you know, hopefully the recruits he's getting that you know their four or five stars can produce just as yeah. much as the three stars we've been lucky with yeah I, uh, I was fortunate to tour the facility a couple of weeks ago um, and they have a golf simulator in the locker room and I was like okay I guess the coaches want to hit golf balls for you, you know, break or while the guys are hitting it in the gym because you kind of go through the locker room and, and you go into like this kind of kitchenette game room like an ultimate man cave pool table ski ball you know the basketball net thing against whatever that game is the basketball you know whatever it is that you see at the fairgrounds and they had like a floor on golf simulator and I was like wow this is impressive this is not what I expect that's right that's <laughs> right, right. You know, you, and, and great experience and I and then we, we, it was for the, for the golf tournament, our, one of our pro-am pairing party things that we did. And one thing I had never noticed, uh, and people who will know this if they go on the field, is that the grass in the end zone is a lot softer than the grass on the field. Really? Yeah. Like, like you can know, as soon as you walk on it, you notice it straight away. And I don't know if they're about to rip up the field and that's why, but like it was spongy. And it makes sense if guys are falling on it. But yeah, it was like noticeably different, like thickness and it was very I was like yeah that was the didn't, only, I didn't know that yeah and huh. if you're next time you you know you go down and you're like close to the field you can definitely see it when, yeah. when you notice it but like when you're walking I was like I mean it makes sense but at the same time I've never I'm, I assume probably they're all like that since guys falling and yeah. you want to break anything and you know when you fall they on fall everywhere hard Oklahoma dirt or whatever <laughs> yeah exactly but that was that was my takeaway I thought you know what a great place to be and obviously the, you know the stadium's growing and, and, and the city's going to grow and with the SEC now coming in it's only going to be good things for Norman and bringing you know so much more oh, economic yeah. impact to to the chamber in the city so i know the cha- this chamber president scott is thrilled to have the sec oh yeah what a city's gonna grow with it you imagine so cool. those those uh college towns coming in uh, yeah. norman but let's be real norman has very little opportunities for hotels that are going to yeah. be coming to the city and mm-hmm. um i don't remember who we have alabama tennessee i think south carolina yeah something like that uh, Arkansas was Missouri Arkansas, Arkansas. I think the Arkansas game's away. No, they left Arkansas out. off the schedule, which oh, I was they? surprised at. That's right, because we haven't yeah. played like OU hasn't played Arkansas in like fifty something yeah, years. Yeah, that would have been a good rivalry to start yeah. back up. Uh, yeah, so I was surprised at, but obviously they kept Texas on there. Yeah, uh, I'm missing OU Texas this year. I'm kind of sad about it. Why is that? Uh, one of my best friends, he's having a baby. We oh, always okay. go together. He's having a baby around that time, so yeah. we decided we're not going to go this year. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd be sad. But that's a fun game too. Have you ever been there? Have not. No. Oh, okay. Not yeah, I need to bring the ticket off. Well, sounds list. like you can take my ticket. Have a good time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, well, mate, appreciate you coming in. Appreciate you sharing some stories. Um, just love what you're doing. Love that you're an example to not only me and our leadership class, but the kids as well. Right? Those are the ones that really get to learn from you. But you know, from from just being around you and sharing your story and and just listening to you speak and and the things that you've been through, it you know, it makes people realize that you know there's a lot more to life right there's a lot more things that you can go through we're stronger than we think you know by just putting your head down and focusing on the one thing that you love to do and being happy right and it's not all about you know making money and and being miserable like if you stick your head down you get your work done you focus on something you love to do generally the money follows that right and if it doesn't 
doesn't matter. You'll still be okay. That's right. So That's right. thank you so much for coming in. Uh, for everyone listening, I will put uh, links to the school in the description. People can check that out when it opens. And uh, yeah, wish you all the best for in your planning year this year. And uh, next year is going to be open and ready to go. Well, Mike, I appreciate you. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks, man. For everyone listening, we will catch you next episode. Cheers. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at OklahomaHOF. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. This episode is presented by the Choctaw Nation. The Choctaw people have a rich history and a bright future. At the Choctaw Cultural Center, you can take part in a story 14,000 years in the making. Stroll through our immersive exhibits portraying Choctaw life from the moment our ancestors emerged from the Nani Wayhai in Mississippian homelands to the Trail of Tears, where we lost so many loved ones, and finally to the modern-day tribe making a positive impact on local communities throughout southeastern Oklahoma. Try your hand at our social dancing and stickball and learn more about our vibrant culture through demonstrations, workshops, and classes. The kids will have a blast in our Luxie Activity Center. The Choctaw Cultural Center is more than a museum. It's a living, breathing experience. Visit ChoctawCulturalCenter.com to plan your visit. This episode is brought to you by Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive exists to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. Join us on August 11th at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum for a celebration of hope featuring guest speaker Tim Tebow and musical artist Ben Fuller. Find out more and get your tickets at HIA10.com. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.